It was a big weekend. It was a weekend that you all had homework to do. Homework being don't do any homework. As we told you this past weekend, we warned you, and if you missed out, you're too late. And it's your own fault. This past weekend was your last weekend without college football. Mm-hmm. So we're back. PJ, it is game week. What? We have college football on the docket this week. We have big games. Say it again. Such as college football's on the docket this week? Game week. Game week. It's game week. We got big games, such Woo! as Duquesne and Florida State. Yes. Get after it. We got Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Come on. I'm pretty sure the Commodores are already there. I'm pretty As sure they, they were like, listen, uh, there's an acclimation process. We have to get out to the islands early and kind of, you know. Uh, yeah. No, As I mean, I recommend at least I was like. Gonna, I was, I was wanting to see how long it was going to take for PJ to bring up the fact that he just got back from Hawaii. I'm surprised that you didn't. So I just, I mean, I, I, I thought there was going to be some sort of joke or something. But if I have to take it upon myself, then that's fine. I advise like two and a half, three weeks of acclimation is. Okay. Very important. Just enough to get you And then maybe like a, a cool down period of course. afterwards. Yeah, maybe just stay there. <laughs> <laughs> the entire Vanderbilt school is relocated to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. I'll say it takes you a longer to get over it than to acclimate to it. When so you say getting over fine. it, when you say get over it, do you mean like accepting that you have to go back to your regular no, life? No, and I know like that's what everyone says, whatever. But like, no, no, no. You wait until you come back, and everyone's like, oh, it's a couple days, whatever. No, like, the next week, your body's still going to be like, hey, it's 4 a.m. Like, you should be winding down for bed, and you're like, I've been laying in bed for six hours trying to sleep. Why are you just getting tired now? Uh, no, it's it's rough. But no, all in all, like, I mean, th- that's what, like, hey, man, if Vanderbilt comes out and gets a victory at Hawaii, I would watch out for whatever that next game is. It, it's... <laughs> Interesting you say that because it's Vanderbilt, so they like. Sorry, with all due respect, like they gotta watch out for every game, <laughs> for a letdown in uh, in every game they play. But yeah. hey, um, uh, you know, is it a, is it it a might, letdown if it's Vanderbilt? It might. That's what I'm saying. It might be extra rough that next week for Vanderbilt because of them trying to get reacclimated. Like, is it really? Is it really? A letdown of his Vanderbilt. Might be a double letdown, you know? They're like, oh, we have a game this Saturday. That's a letdown. And then the second letdown is we're all so tired as hell because we just got back from Hawaii and our bodies aren't right. But, hey, you know who's not let down? All of us. Yep. And Hawaii in general. Hawaii. Because football is back. And, I mean, they they have a lot to look forward to. They're playing Vanderbilt this week. <laughs> uh, no top 25 teams in action. Uh, but we do have like Austin P, Western Kentucky. Nebraska Northwestern isn't a terrible game on Saturday. 12.30 kick. That is a power five matchup. Yeah. Uh, Idaho State, UNLV. UConn, Utah State. Wyoming, Illinois. Duquesne, Florida State. Charlotte, FAU. Uh, Florida A&M in North Carolina. North Texas, UTEP. Nevada, New Mexico State. And then Vanderbilt at Hawaii. So Vanderbilt at Hawaii is the nightcap. Yeah, 10.30, CBS Sportsnet. Like, where else would it be? That's true. But, like, well, I figured it would be at night, of course. But, you know, I'm kind of, like, as weird as this is, because you hear Nebraska, Northwestern, and you're like, like you said, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting game. If that was week eight, you know, you probably wouldn't be watching it. But who cares? 
I would have figured that'd be like the eight o'clock game this week. Yeah. And it's at twelve thirty. So I don't know. A little disappointing there. But hey, football's uh, back. Who cares? Let's try to see if there is an eight o'clock like primetime game. ESPNU, you can watch Louisiana Tech at Missouri. That's not a terrible game. I actually think I'm trying to see what the kid remember what the kid's name was. Uh but a former Georgia quarterback. Uh yeah, Matt Downey. There you go. Just yeah. got named the starting quarterback at Louisiana Tech. They're gonna take on Missouri. M- Missouri has been known to give up some yards. So that's gonna be at ESPN two at eight o'clock. Uh, well, Louisiana Tech's also like that's. Team. Oh, sorry, I lied to you. That's, oh, okay. on, that's on. That's Thursday, September first. Great, I lied to you. Sure, sweet, uh, awesome. Prime time game. I was honestly getting all excited because like Louisiana Tech's always one of those. Florida A and M, North Carolina on the ACC network might be your prime time game. <sighs> yeah, never mind. Nevada, New Mexico State at ten o'clock on ESPN two. It's, a it's late. college football, PJ. We're excited. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I. You got me too excited for Louisiana Tech. I'm sorry. I'm kind of mad Thursday. at that now. Uh, no, but all in all, it's back. Let's go. Next Thursday. Uh, we do Who cares? have some Georgia news to get into. We'll get into that in the next segment. But I did want to ask you this. I don't know if you have seen the Kayvon Thibodeau play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for those of you who have not seen it, I'll share it up uh, on our web stream here. You can always watch us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Whatever social medias you're on, I think there's like a couple of them that we're not on that like people just created very recently. But you know, the big ones. Sure. Yeah. That being said, so you had Cincinnati taking on the Giants. It was in New York, uh, and then in the this about the second quarter, Kayvon Thibodeau, the first round pick of the Giants out of Oregon, a guy who has dealt with some injuries in the past, is coming off the edge, and then the tight ends coming back on a seal block. A lot of people are trying to call this a crackback block. It's not a crackback block. It's a seal block. Tight end basically was lined up on the left side, and he comes back behind the line of scrimmage, back behind the offensive lineman, and the right tackle leaves Thibodeau. He thinks he has a free run, and then he gets hit by the tight end. Right? We'll play it for you here if you can't see it. So, again, comes off the edge, unblocked, and then the tight end goes in to block him. Now, what everybody's freaking out about is when the tight end makes a connection with him, it's a shoulder to the knee. Yeah. So a lot of people are calling for a lot of things. It's like saying that is a chop block. It needs to be, he needs to be suspended. He needs to be fined. He need, he's out. He's done. Right. That's a dirty hit. When I first saw it, I'm like, I look at Thibodeau and I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm not trying to take a shot at a dude who got hurt. And Adam Schefter saying he's okay. Right. He's going to miss. Three to four weeks with his ACL and his meniscus and all that's still intact. But when he clears and just trying to, I guess, get upfield, keep everything inside of him, right? Do his job as a defensive end outside linebacker. As he gets upfield, he realizes that the block's coming and just kind of shuts down, right? Stops his momentum, just kind of stutter steps, doesn't really engage correctly, doesn't use his hands at all. Just kind of like dips his body down. And so if I'm the tight end and I'm coming at this guy, I'm like, oh, crap, that's Kayvon Thibodeau. I know who I'm going to block. That dude's a big first-round pick. He's probably going to blast me. I have to come in with everything I got. So I will say it kind of looks like the tight end like closed his eyes a little bit and ducked his head. But outside of that, he was just going in for that shoulder-to-shoulder slash like midsection block, right? Just enough to stop Thibodeau. But Thibodeau's momentum had stopped, and so it carries the tight end into his knee. And that's where everybody loses their minds. couple things. Even if he did hit him in the knee on purpose, it's legal. 
A chop block is when if that same guy had had a fullback engaged with him up top, and then the tight end came low and hit him below. That's when you get the 15-yard penalty. Now, the NFL, uh, I don't know of college football, but I know the NFL uh, has gone on to say you can't do this in the open field, right? Where, like, you have offensive linemen getting out to the open field on, like, pools and just massacring corners' knees, just, like, diving at their legs. Yeah. And the reverse is true. A corner to take out a blocker can no longer go low on the blocker. But inside the tackle box, which is the same thing you use for grounding penalties, inside the tackle box, you can still go low. And you see offensive linemen do it all the time on slant routes, right? Quick throws, you'll see the tackle and the guard, the snap hits, and they just go down to their knees and they're punching out the legs of whatever defensive lineman is because it's a quick throw and they're just cr trying to create a throwing lane. So it's still a legal hit. I don't think there's anything dirty about it. And if anything, I think it was bad technique by Thibodeau. That's where I'm at. I'm curious your thoughts. Okay. Because some um, people are saying preseason, why are you doing that in the preseason? I don't think the guy did it on purpose. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I can certainly see your point and to – be fair, you, you've been – I love watching football for sure. Uh, you've been a lot more film rooms than, than me over your lifespan. So I mm. normally defer to, to guys like you and Ben when we're talking about breaking down tape and really seeing the form of well, things. Well, you can't trust Ben I, on this because he's a tight end, and of course yeah, he's going to yeah. say the tight end's innocent. Uh, of course. No, that's very true. Now, that being said, I do agree with you. Uh, every time I've watched this clip, I've been like, what is – Thibodeau doing like I understand you realize the block is coming and you kind of you're trying to evaluate you know what what's about to happen but even when he comes off the edge like you'd expect whatever defensive you know whatever defensive end that is to explode towards wherever that ball is going no matter if there's a block coming or not so first of all I'm, I'm surprised he, he wasn't either trying to break up that handoff because it looks like he, he I mean well, he sees he the contact the super coming. quick. He sees the contact coming. He kind of freezes. Yeah, he, he, and that's the problem, right? In the NFL, you, you, you can't freeze. I will say this. I, I saw the first time I saw this, it was with the caption of, this guy needs to be arrested. Like, not even, like, kicked out of the NFL. Yeah, like, arrest this tight end. But, like, and, I, like, all jokes aside – uh, certainly not going that far. Yeah. Suspension, uh, I I think, is a, a little I, there, wild. I don't think there should be anything. Right. And, and like you Football said, play. like people saying that this is an illegal hit by the rule book are also wrong. Um, I'll say I, I agree with most of what you're saying when it comes to the blocker. Um, but that last, it's like the last second for both of them is odd and doesn't make sense, and what is the result of that play? It, so, like, Thibodeau kind of freezing yeah. and then maybe taking on the block but not really committing to it, that got him hurt. It, it did. But also, the tight end looks like, like you said, he sees his Thibodeau, he's going down, he's like, all right, I'm going to hit him with maybe this mid midsection, like, shoulder block, and then he, like, crumbles. Yeah. And that's the part that I'm like, Okay, that's the that's the only thing that I kind of fault the tight end with is everything looks fine and like you say, he he's like the block he's going for is all right and by the book it isn't a problem, but that last second he goes super low. Like I get going low to try and get yeah. him get catch him kind of low, but like he goes super low. Well, I really low, so. think he closed his eyes. Like he got to yeah. the like point where he was about to make contact, tucks the shoulder in. Goes to make contact. He's going for the hip, 
to like rib cage area just to move him, which is bad. Which is a bad blocking technique in general, right? Yeah. But yeah, he goes. Yeah. To, he goes to that hip to like mid, like just below the rib cage section, and in his mind, you're doing the the you're doing the math in your head, and you're saying, okay, if I'm moving at this speed. And he's coming at me like this. I'm going to hit him there, so I need to drop down and do this. Well, he right, just right. Thibodeau stopped. Yeah, yeah and so it just like, doesn't I just do think anything. It, I just think yeah. he carried him into his knee. And again, Thibodeau did nothing that you teach a defensive end to do in that situation, where you're like, if they do go low, you're pushing down on their back, keeping them off of you. He didn't use right. his arms at all. It, no, he did not engage with his arms at he all. Completely absorbed. So it's just it. it's yeah. a weird play, but just like it has caused a firestorm all over social media and all over ESPN this morning because you have the defensive guys saying this is ridiculous. Yeah. You're hurting people out there. Uh, you got to be better than that. That's a penalty. Fine them. Like you, you got to put them in jail. Like it, it, <laughs> yeah, all the defensive yeah, people are losing crazy. their minds. Yeah. Offensive linemen, of course, are like, "That's amazing. Perfect. Great job. Right. A plus number one. Glad next, he's not next play. Yeah. Glad he's not hurt. But that's great. And then most people on offense are like, "Yeah, that's that's a clean play. It is what it is. Yeah. Right. So I can understand in the NFL, like Emmanuel Alcho is one of them coming out and saying like, "This dirty illegal should be fined." Maybe it's dirty. I'll say that it's not illegal. Right? Shouldn't be fined. Yeah. Unless they're saying that. He'll, but yeah. I can understand where the vitriol comes from because <laughs> if Thibodeau had come off the edge and mistimed his sack on whoever the quarterback was and hit him that same way, it's a 15-yard penalty. Yeah. But that's just the reality of the NFL. You protect the quarterbacks. Right. So I, I don't think it's a dirty hit. We do have some injury news to get into though. Uh, that's going to affect Georgia as their game. Uh, a little bit less than, I think, what? We're Bryce Ramsey days away. There you go. Tavares King days away. 12 days away. That's it. From Georgia football. We have some injury news, though. Some pretty significant injury news that's going to affect a big rotation for Georgia against Oregon and kind of how they go throughout the year. We'll dive into it next. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you with us here on this Monday afternoon. As we mentioned coming off of the last segment there, some injury news to get to for Georgia, uh, a team that is very young coming into this season, but obviously an overly talented team. Uh, Bill Conley just put out his S&P Plus, and Georgia came in at number two above Ohio State, just behind Alabama. But taking a hit in a group that just lost a couple of guys to the NFL and one that's looking for, I think it's leader, but just kind of to see how the rotation shakes out. Uh, freshman running back Andrew Paul, who had been having an excellent, excellent offseason, right, and a great camp leading up into this. We kept hearing about him and Branson Robinson, right, two big-time freshmen, big bodies, didn't quite have their assignments down yet, but were guys who were going to see touches, right, and could be that fourth running back that just in case somebody gets an ankle, something like that, you can lean on them and not see production drop off. He tore his ACL. Ah on Saturday at the scrimmage, uh, limped off the field, and then had to wait until yesterday for confirmation, uh, but tore his ACL. He'll be done for the season. And so now, if you're Georgia, you still have Kenny McIntosh, and he has been rock solid throughout his career, but never has really had to be the guy, and if anything, kind of rotated as the third guy. Mm -hmm. And he made some clutch catches in the national championship, uh, threw a touchdown pass, yeah. in the semifinals, and has, has made some good plays and has shown flashes of being excellent and is coming back as an upperclassman after waiting his turn behind James Cook and Zamir White. Really good running back, right? Behind him, or I guess rotating him with him, 1A and 1B, 
is Kendall Milton. Problem with Kendall Milton is kind of the same problem you run into with Arian Smith. When he's on the field, looks like an SEC running back. Yeah. Looks like a future NFL player, right? Can't keep him on the field. It's like a Jaguar, like the car. <laughs> awesome when it works. Right. Just spends way too much time in the shop, right? <laughs> and he's dealing with an injury right now, a hamstring injury, which Brooks Austin reporting that if they needed him to go on Saturday, Kendall Milton could have gone. But obviously, it's just a scrimmage. You're going to hold him out and try to get him as healthy as possible for Oregon. But the way those injuries work, especially those soft tissue injuries, is if I had to guess, you're probably looking at Kenny McIntosh as your one, and then Dejan Edwards as your two. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from Dejan. No. But no. you were coming into this season thinking he was going to try to take that Kendall Milton role and Kenny McIntosh role from last year where you're the third guy. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking, F, Kendall Milton can't go at Kenny McIntosh, Dejan Edwards, and Branson Robinson, true freshman running back out of Mississippi. Right taking over, and then after that, again, if Milton can't go, looking at walk-ons? Right. Yeah. You're looking at guys from other positions to play some running back? And all of a sudden, you're in that kind of J.J. Green situation from, gosh, almost eight years ago now where you're like, okay, we're getting a DB over to play running back. Yeah, see how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and let's remember, too, I mean, like you've been talking about, I, I don't think anyone needs an insane refresher, but, like, Georgia is absolutely one of those schools – that when you think about their running back room and you think about their, their running backs, like this isn't 2000 or 2005 where you have one guy who's getting 25 carries. And even if he's only getting 15 or 20 carries, he's the guy and you're looking at him for, for most of your production. Most of these top tier schools like the Georgia Bulldogs have a fleet of running backs that they use at their disposal and they, they rotate in. A lot, and like you said, I mean, Kendall Milton uh, being that guy, and and you know having some some huge plays over the last few years for the, for the Bulldogs, and being that third and fourth guy, really in in most of those runs. But you're like, man, this guy would be starting somewhere else in the in the top twenty five if he was there. But Georgia again, this this offense is so used to just having uh, four or five different guys that they can plug and play in different situations. And can can make absolutely huge plays, and they can rely on. Um, so yeah, I, th- that is that is tough for sure. Sadly, you can't help injuries and whatever, but you just hope that this stops here, you know. And and hopefully, hopefully those guys can be better, like you said. Hopefully, uh, Milton can can get back as well. But certainly, don't want to rush that, especially a guy with that, <laughs> like you said, has kind of been had his history with, with his own injuries and things like that. So, yeah, that, that running back room light right now, especially for a team that's used to having five or six different guys. And time to step up, I guess. Yeah. I, that, that's really the only thing. Time to step up and hope, pray, that you don't see any more of these uh, kind of issues and, and the, those three guys can really carry the load for at least the first few weeks. Well, and you do have – well, they're going to have to carry it for – the entire season. Uh, you do have a couple of walk-ons in Savon Clark and Cash Jones out there, of Texas. There, there you go. I mean, there's a distinct chance we see some Cash Jones. Could be Cash Money. Cash Money. Him and uh, Woody Waters. <laughs> no, probably start go. a nice 1970s band that could rival Dire Straits. But uh, you have seen 
Savon Clark in some games. He wears number 20 for Georgia. Uh, he's, he's run the football a little bit. Uh, also played a lot of special teams. I think in Cash Jones, uh, an option as well. So you have guys who are designated as running backs. We're just talking about you're getting real low on scholarship backs, especially yeah. this is the beginning of the year before you go through that full SEC schedule. So you got to hope Kendall Milton stays healthy. Got to hope Kenny McIntosh doesn't tweak something. I understand that's football, yeah. but it's just pity big time blow to a group that really couldn't afford it as one of the 1A, 1B guys is still dealing with lingering injuries and has not been able to consistently stay healthy during his tenure at Georgia. So, again, just a few days out, 12 days out from Georgia and Oregon. And, man, I keep looking at this game and I keep trying to convince myself in my head that Oregon's going to put up a good game. Yeah, yeah. And that Georgia's going to struggle. And then Kirby Smart comes out and starts talking about Eric Gilbert in a positive fashion. <laughs> Which he did after this past weekend, just talking about how everything feels like it's finally starting to click for him. Right? And he did say something really cool where he said, I, I worry more about him, not saying that he needs to, but he says he just he more is worried about him as a person and like his state and his mental happiness because he did, again, miss last year due to personal reasons. Uh, but I thought that was pretty cool to hear from Kirby Smart, but saying that, He's kind of finding his niche inside this offense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, I, I want to believe that Oregon's going to put up a fight in this game. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm getting like Alabama, Miami feelings from last year. Sure. Where you got the team coming in. Maybe this is the year. Yeah. You get the transfer quarterback coming in. It's not a bad football team. Should be competing for their conference championship. Alabama is week one. Things get a little clunky. And then all of a sudden it's a 30 point game. Yeah. And that, that fed even more into, like, you know, it, it got fed even um, this there's going to be a close game. It's going to be an exciting game with Miami and Alabama. Oh, my God. Because the whole offseason, it was just, man, this could be the year, Alabama. They, lo- they, they lose a few. This could be it. If you're going to get Alabama, this well, could be PJ, it. Well, it was a rebuilding year. It was a rebuilding year that they winded up in the national championship game and SEC yep. champions. So, no, absolutely, and absolutely smoked Miami. But... Uh, yeah, no, I, I see what you mean, and I, I agree with you. My head keeps trying to kind of trick me, too. And you always see, too, like you see the highlight tapes of, of Bo Nix just making insane plays uh, there while he was at Auburn. I, I don't know if you – I when I've been like doing other work and things like that around the office, I have been – I absolutely have like the, the college football's back niche where over the past month and a half I've just been watching like craziest plays from 20-whatever <laughs> – uh, longest plays from 20-whatever. And uh, I've, I've been watching those. And Bo Nix, man, he's all over it, right? But it's always because he had to there at that Auburn. He was always running for his life, and they were always down by seven or down by three or whatever, and he was trying to make a play. But even with that, man, there, there's so many. He might not even be the starter. So, like, yeah. there, there's, <laughs> there's so many different crazy things uh, that my mind tr- cut, tries to keep playing into this that, uh, oh, it could, could be a good game between uh, their Oregon and, and Georgia. But reality keeps setting in for me, too. And that, that's one of those things. I'm very happy to hear that with, with Eric Gilbert uh, for sure. And uh, hopefully, like you said, and like Coach Smart said as well, like his, his mindset and his happiness, hopefully that's there, just getting everything straight. Yeah. But dude's got a – dude's a freak of an athlete there as, as well. So if Georgia can use that – uh, to their advantage throughout the season, especially here earlier against Oregon, that would be amazing. And um, not only that, but like you might hear that and think too, like, oh man, that's going to help, especially with all these injuries at running back. You're not, to me, you're not really going to feel the injuries at running back week one, most likely, 
especially when you use like a fleet, like I was talking about. Like, sure. Normally you'll start kind of feeling that like week eight, week nine, when people start kind of getting worn down. So well, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have that, like have a bunch of radar sh- flying off. Yeah. I mean, one one game positive you that, do you know? have is something you mentioned where most of these guys are probably going to see 10 to 12 carries a game. Yeah. And that doesn't mean Georgia's not going to run the football. That means you could probably still run the ball 30 to 40 times a game. Yeah. Stetson Bennett's going to get some carries in there. True. Right. So you can still run the football and just, just keep that wear and tear off them. So that is one advantage I do think Georgia has. Some other notes uh, coming off of the scrimmage. Brooks Austin sharing with us here. Looks like Kamari Lassiter and Jamon Dumas Johnson uh, have pretty much locked up their spots on defense. You're going to see them uh, in the starting lineup and just kind of waiting to see who that other inside linebacker is that's going to lock down that. Obviously, we're going to see a rotation. But just talking about the starters, but one thing uh, that we heard from Brooks and we've heard from a few other people is that offensive line is looking good. Yeah. And that's something we talked about last week. If something's going to give you hope that Georgia can lean on a unit again that takes them back to the SEC championship, because anything can happen after that, but takes them back to the SEC championship, I think it's going to be this offensive line. I watched G-Day, and the offensive line looked good. Uh, some people that were at the scrimmage just talk about how much time Stetson Bennett had to throw. Now, could that be indicative of potentially the rush presence and the defensive lineman that you're going up against? Maybe, but I mean, still, those are four- and five-star guys. Yeah. Right? War McClendon's excellent. Right? Cedric Van Pran is excellent. If Tate Rattlish can stay healthy, he's a first, second-round pick. He's still dealing with that turf toe injury. Left guard, I think, is going to be interesting. Uh, Devin Willick, I think, probably has it locked up. But you're going to see some rotations there because they want to get a Marius Mims on the field somehow. Mm-hmm. Right? He's too talented to not put on the field. Uh, and then Broderick Jones taking over at left tackle, but could you could potentially see him in some situations kicking inside? I don't know, but that offense line is good. And you have guys like Micah Morris who are just sitting there waiting for their turn. Yeah. That could be playing right now. So probably eight, nine deep with guys they'd probably feel comfortable starting. Yeah. And they're all all SEC caliber guys. Right. So I think they're feeling really good about the offensive line. However they decide to do it, if it's three tight ends on the field at the same time, hey, man. if you're not even going to use a running back, just let Stetson Bennett go five wide, yeah. right, like Buck Ballou wants him to do. Something. But that offensive line, you know, I think is ready to rock. And if I'm a Georgia fan and I'm feeling confident heading into the season, that's probably one of the biggest reasons why. Let's take a quick break. I want to do an exercise with P.J., It's almost college football season. There's college football this Saturday. So is it technically college football season then? Yeah. If there's college football season this Saturday, it's officially college football season. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is the first first day of official college football season. Let's go. Game week. We'll be back with more right here on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN Radio, presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. As you can see, the NASCAR coming on PJ right now. Yes. Molly Hatchet. It just flows out of him. Hell yeah. PJ Zuko, of course, the. Host of Green, White, and Checkered, you can hear here every weekend on ESPN Coastal. Check it out wherever you get your podcast. But PJ, I have an exercise I want to do with you. Now listen, I know there's a lot of people in the car saying exercise. No, we're not making anybody run. Mental exercise. I like those. Those are uh, those are great. But, I could probably use mental and physical exercises. Well, we're gonna get one of those out of the way. If All you right. want to do some push-ups while we're doing this, that's fine. Uh, I can't right now. So we do. Something every week during the college football season where we give you your TV guide. We give you your schedule. Here's what you should watch at this time, this time, and this time. So what I'm going to have PJ do is give us his choices 
for the first week of college football. Now, okay. here's how it works. I, I give like you that. the games in a time slot, and you get TV1, which is the prime TV, and then you get TV2, which is where you'll be watching that secondary game. Sure. Or you can sometimes, if your team's playing Southwest East Missouri State, then you put your team on TV2, and you have a bigger game on TV1 just because you got to watch your team. Right? Come on now. You put your t- you put your team off of TV one. If, if Georgia's playing like Nickel State, which I shouldn't say Nickel State because Nickel State almost beat Georgia, but if Georgia's playing Nickel State, I'll put them on TV two with the volume up, and on TV one I'll have whatever the big game is. You know, I was gonna hate on you for that, but I'm not gonna go fake fan on it for the sake of the show. I understand. I'm I'm with right. you there. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you the time slots, the games <laughs> that are in them, and then you got to give me TV one and TV two. Gotcha. All right, so. To practice with, we're going to start with this week. So I would say coming up Saturday in that mm, 8 o'clock, 7 to 8 o'clock area, you got Charlotte FAU at 7, Florida A&M, North Carolina at 8.15, North Texas and UTEP kicking off at 9. What was the first one? Uh, That would be Charlotte FAU. Okay. Um... Well, I mean, you know, no, probably not. Those UTEP, those like Texas games yeah. can can get kind of crazy sometimes. You got North Texas versus El Paso. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd probably them have them on, on TV one. Okay. And then most likely just to see what the heck is going on up there, have uh, North Carolina and, and FAMU there on the secondary. I like it. All right, so let's get into the real stuff, the real schedule, the real determining factors. Sure. So on Thursday, September 1st, we know what's going to be on TV1 for PJ. 8 o'clock, Fox, Penn State at Purdue. Yeah. That's on TV1. Absolutely. here are your options for TV2. Okay. Starting off at 7 o'clock, you have Central Michigan, Oklahoma State. Kicking off over on ESPN at that same time, you have West Virginia at Pitt. You got Ball State, Tennessee, South Carolina State, UCF. Uh, you wouldn't want to watch any of those. Yeah, no. Honestly, you could probably. And then Louisiana Tech and Missouri. Okay, yeah. Need one of those games um, on TV too. Which one's on TV? Too? And I was actually pretty, pretty excited about that Louisiana Tech Missouri game when I thought it was on a different day. Um, but I'll say, isn't that Central Michigan Oklahoma State game a rematch of the God, upset yes. that should have never happened three yeah. or four years ago? Yeah. Um, so. First of all, just out of loyalty to Mike Gundy, I'm not watching that no game. No one has to be loyal to Mike Gundy. Why not? Look at it. He's great. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, no, all in all, I'm going West Virginia Pitt because like that. Yeah, backyard that is, brawl, baby. That is such an underrated rivalry, man. And and just because of everything splitting up, obviously, there in the Big East, whatnot, we don't get it all the time Couple anymore. Couple of USC quarterbacks it, going at it. Dude, it's also like the rivalry of the former USC teammates and whatnot you have jt daniels in the west virginia uniform and whatnot going hey mountaineer nation let's ride uh, kind of circulating yeah, fun of russell wilson yeah, of yeah, course here we who go. isn't making fun of russell wilson, russell wilson nowadays which is great also hey, that's, like, that's top tier content is it his quarterback this week i'm not sure okay um all right so so we got yeah, Penn so state Pitt, purdue on the main tv west virginia pit on tv yeah too. we're going full keystone state there although not full Keystone State in the in the winner's bracket. 
okay. don't think. I got you. You know, upset there for uh, old West Virginia. Yeah, PJ already putting picks in too. A little oh, bonus yeah. action here. Come on now. All right, let's go to Friday. It's game week. We gotta we gotta do this thing. So I need TV one, TV two. We have West Western Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Virginia Tech at Old Dominion. Uh, I'll go Illinois, Indiana, or TCU, Colorado. Absolutely, Old Dominion, Virginia Tech is going to be on that TV one. TV like one, that All is right. just upset special. Trying to avenge an upset loss from the last time they visited them. Uh, of course, and then you got—I mean—fresh um, leadership there at Virginia Tech as well with Brent Pry at the helm. The homie Sean Quinn. Homie Sean Quinn, yes, dude, that's a really solid coach. Like I like that coaching staff a lot. Although they might get upset there week one, who knows? Um, Who's TV two? TV2 is absolutely not any of those Big Ten games because they're boring as hell, and I hope they all lose. They're going TCU-Colorado. Uh, going TCU-Colorado, right. absolutely, because that at least will be fun. Whether and you'll it's, have like a couple hours between, so like you'll be in sure. like the third, mid-third quarter when the second one kicks off. That'll be good. Yeah, that'd be great. All Love right, let's that. go to Saturday. Here's where it gets challenging. Yeah, th- this is a problem. First full Saturday of college football. Oh, Noon slate. Colorado oh, State at Michigan. North Carolina State at East Carolina. Uh, skip, skip, skip. We'll go North Carolina App State, and we'll call it there. Man, um, North Carolina App State is going to be on TV one. Wow. Okay. Wait. Yeah. No, it's good. No, can you list the in between games again? I'm sorry. You sure. got. I got all. Uh, Colorado State, Michigan, NC State, East Carolina, okay. North Carolina State, App State. Yeah, North. North Carolina State, App State. Or not North Carolina State, North Carolina. Just North Carolina. App State. Coming off the, the game against FAMU as well there. Yep. Uh, North Carolina and App State, their premier game, uh, TV one. Yep. I will put Colorado State, Michigan on TV two because I think that's going to be the classic Michigan game where it's like 14 to 14 in the third quarter Colorado for no State reason. Colorado State can score 14 points. Colorado State's bad. They're that bad? They're bad. They were that bad last year. Like the that's game true. is NC State no, that's East true. Carolina. That's true. Yeah, no, NC State in East Carolina. That that's gonna be that's gonna be TV too. I'm right. sorry, I forgot how how yeah, much Colorado, Colorado State, State had fun. fallen off. They're, that's they're, my apology. They're not fun. All right, let's go to 3:30. Obviously, the premier game: Georgia, Oregon, and Mercedes Benz. Sure. But let's see if it is on TV one for PJ because also at that same time you have number 23 Cincinnati at number 19 Arkansas, kicking off there. Uh, let's see, 3.30, uh, or 4 o'clock, you got Troy at Ole Miss, also BYU at South Florida, and I will throw this one in there, you have Rice, USC kicking off at that 6 o'clock slot, but those are your 3.30 games. Okay, um, yeah, I'll actually have, this might surprise some people, it might make some people angry, I don't know, but then again, listen to why I say this. All right. All TV right. one is going to be Cincinnati and Arkansas. I like it. I don't think it's this could be a rude awakening for Cincinnati because Arkansas, like you said, didn't did not lose a lot, and I really like the feel and just the grittiness of that team. Um, and and you know we'll see who fills in there for Cincinnati moving forward. So I do think like Luke Fickle though, like this is where he kind of gets his moment right. Like I think that's a really solid coach, and I don't think they're just going away. Uh, so anyway, I have Arkansas, Cincinnati, TV1, Georgia, Oregon, TV2, because you have to keep that game on. You have to pay attention to it, but I think it's going to be a blowout. I think Georgia is going to run away with it, but I always look at those 
like looking at those Oregon uniforms. So give me Oregon, Georgia, TV2. All right, let's go to the 7 o'clock hour, primetime stuff. You have number 7, Utah at Florida. Uh, we'll go Miami, Ohio at Kentucky is there as well. Army, Coastal Carolina kicking off at 7. Uh, Utah State at Alabama kicking off at 7.30. Number 5, Notre Dame at number 2, Ohio State kicks off at 7.30 as well. You got Memphis, Mississippi State, which that game should be fun. Uh, Georgia State at South Carolina kicking off at 7.30. Louisville, Syracuse kicks off at 8. Boise State, Oregon State kicks off at uh, 10.30. So, so we'll, we'll go back up. I was going to say, that's a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot of damage. Um, man, this is uh, – go go ahead and repeat those first few games. I apologize. No, you're good. No, no, no. You okay, talk about I, I remember. South Dakota now. and Kansas State? I remember now. I, I apologize. You understand. You know what, like, and people got a hint last yeah. Friday, like what I'm kind of dealing with right now, and it's, yeah. it's messing with some stuff. I got but you. Anyway, Friday, no. <laughs> Saturday so, evening. Saturday evening. Absolutely, Florida and, and Utah are going to be on TV one. Interesting. Yes. No. Because PJ hates both of the teams playing on TV two. Yes, well, I don't even know if they're on TV, too, because there was another game mixed in there that All I'm right, actually so insanely Utah, interested Florida's in. Utah, Florida's TV1. Uh, then we have Miami of Ohio at Kentucky. We'll put that one in there. Mercer, Auburn. Uh, I know Army, what it is, actually. Army, yeah, yeah. Coastal Carolina. I want to see that game. Now, I don't know. You're kicking Notre Dame, Ohio State off I, the I Army don't Coastal? Think That'll I, be a fun game. That's the thing. It might be an hour-and-a-half game because they both run in form of the option. Yeah. It might be. It That's going to be on my phone, without a doubt. It doesn't make it to TV2. I'm sorry. That game might be over before Ohio State Notre Dame gets to the end of the first half. <laughs> it it could be. It could very well be. But as we talked about a, a couple like last week I think with Army, like I, I really respect kind of the, the direction they've gone in the past sure. few years. Jeff Munkin as a coach. But like and they're always it seems like they're upsetting everyone every single year or upsetting someone every single year and, and they've just been having a great time. So I don't think that kicks off Notre Dame, Ohio State, which, by the way, I think is going to be a blowout. Like, I don't think that's going to be a game. But I'll, I'll, have, I'll have it on TV, too. And I'll have Coastal Carolina and Army on my phone. But, yes, Utah, Florida, in the swamp, I cannot wait for that game. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So there you go. PJ Zuko's TV Guide, Week 1. We'll give you mine coming up as we get a little bit closer uh, to Week 1. We're still Week 0. But I think it's a fun slate, but I think the first few weeks of college football, like week two I think is better than week one. I'm just going to put it out there. Week one's kind of spread out. Like you have, yeah. what, Florida State and LSU going on Monday, I believe? Yeah. Or is that – no, Georgia Tech-Clemson is Monday. I think Clemson – or no, Georgia Tech-Clemson is Monday. I think LSU-Florida State is on Sunday. I could right, be wrong. Right, right. Well, either way, one of them is Sunday and one of them is Monday, which is just weird, but – like you said, there's a bunch of really good matchups, but they're all spaced out, you know, in between each other, and and it's, yeah. it's kind but of. Then we get that. Then we get that regular Saturday. Yeah, just packed chock full. We got Alabama, Texas coming up week two. Right. So that'll be fun. But again, there's PJ Zuko's TV guide there for week one. We gotta take a break. We'll come back. Get you ready for three and out next, right here on ESPN Radio. About a minute left here on second down before we hand you over to three and out. PJ, did you in the as with the rest of the world and myself? Catch the first episode of House of the Dragon last night. Uh, I put it on this morning. Um, uh, oh my! For a little bit, and, but just like I, I have a lot to explain when it comes to my feelings towards that 
whole like series and just kind of TV world right now. Uh, but I will say, I was like, eh, let's see what this is about. The first 30 seconds of music pulled me right back in. Yeah, I'm already hooked. Yeah. Like, I've I watched about 25 minutes. Yeah, I've watched about 25 minutes, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll finish this later. I'm excited. I'm so, ready. I am We'll see. absolutely ready to be heard again. And I think if I ever have children and we watch Game of Thrones one day, I'm just going to tell them, yeah, after, like, episode five, they just, yeah, that was it. Season finale right there. That was it. It's kind of up for interpretation as to, as to what happened. What's not up for interpretation is three and out is up next.